Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson. Today, we're going to dig into some of the numbers that tell the story of the Detroit Lions' loss to the Seattle Seahawks. I promised on yesterday's show I'd get to some good stuff, and I never really did that. So today we'll start there. If you'll recall, last week one of the things I said the offense needed to do was to improve the passing attack outside the trapezoid. Now, basically passes within five yards, passes in the middle third of the field. Shaped like a trapezoid. Get the reference there. Against the Chiefs, the majority of the passes Jared Goff threw were to the middle third of the field or within about five yards of the line of scrimmage. Long term, that's a huge problem for a passing offense. Uh, And I have good news. Outside the trapezoid on Sunday, Jared Goff was 8 out of 10 with two touchdowns. Uh, His average intended air yards jumped from 6.4 in week one to 8 in week two. Uh, Nice big jump. His aggressiveness rating from next-gen stats was fifth lowest in the NFL week one. In week two, he was eighth in the league. So that means he was throwing into tighter coverages in week two, which isn't great because it means the receivers weren't getting open, but it also means Jared Goff was growing in confidence and was in a rhythm, completed a lot of balls in two tight windows. So this narrative that he won't throw to guys who are at all even slightly covered, just not true this week, at least. Maybe, maybe, maybe at times it is, but this week, not so much. Uh, what else do we have here? Had the third highest completion percentage above expectation in the NFL for week two. He, uh, let's go old school. The third highest passer rating in the NFL right now. Nobody uses that one anymore. I mean, it just measures things that happened. Why would that be useful? Uh, (laughs) uh, we still have people out there trying to scream to the high heavens that, uh, Jared Goff has to go. Uh, because he threw one interception in his last, like, 400 passes. Is there anything he can do to please those people? Like, is there anything at all he could do to win you over? If you're a hater, and at this point I'm perfectly comfortable calling you a hater if you're still looking at first-round quarterbacks next year and thinking that they're going to give you something better than Jared Goff or that they're likely to give you something better than Jared Goff, like, one, maybe two will. 
the other five that people are talking about as first round picks right now will be backups after their third year in the league or out of the league entirely. Uh, the biggest problem with the Lions offense was solved. Let's get back on task. And it was solved without the presence of JMO. The Lions replaced Marvin Jones with Khalif Raymond and, and not surprisingly, it opened up the field. At least that was the impression I had during the game because I never really saw Marvin Jones doing anything. Um, but he had 34 snaps and Khalif Raymond only had 28. Um, whoever in the building is arguing that Marvin Jones is still a starting level player in the league is going to have a really tough hill to climb after two weeks because there is a better player on the team and he is getting fewer snaps right now. So why was there so much yak room for Sam Laporta, who had five catches for 63 yards? And Khalif Raymond is your answer to that question. Leaf only had two catches, but the first one was a 36-yard touchdown. He also picked up the St. Brown slack as the guy running gadget plays uh, after St. Brown's foot injury. Until it really mattered when St. Brown stepped in with his busted foot and got the job done. And honestly, for Raymond, that's about perfect for him. Three touches, 57 yards, great day. If he could do that every week, we'd all be super happy. Uh, if you start adding touches to his workload, chances are the impact per touch dramatically drops. I mean, he's going to be running screens for five yards and things like that. Plus, his injury risk skyrockets with every touch that isn't specifically designed to get him in space where he can do what he does well. Which all bodes really well for when JMO comes back, because in everything I just said, say that same thing about JMO, but he's like the 250% version of Khalif Raymond. I think this is going to be really good. So if the Lions can just tread water on offense, as in keep scoring at their current per game pace, <laughs> things could explode shortly after week seven. Assuming JMO is actually healthy when his suspension ends, which we won't know. But anyway, week two, the Lions pivoted from being the slow, plodding, uninspired offense of week one to a more dynamic, faster offense in week two. And that took them almost an entire season in 2021. So things are looking up two years later. Uh, David Montgomery. His yards per carry came up. As I had previously told you, it probably would because of his really high success rate, which actually went up after week two, like the visual you saw, he played well, that tracks in the stats. It's up to 59.5, which would have beaten every single thousand yard rusher in the NFL last year, if it were maintainable for a 17 week period. Uh, Montgomery told reporters he's likely to miss a couple of weeks, which, I mean, running backs are going to miss time. That's why the positional value arguments exist, basically, is because you're spending a high pick on a guy who's probably almost never going to give you 17 games in a season. But luckily, that timeline means the Lions don't have to go do something stupid, like, say, sign Kareem Hunt, which I really hope they don't do, as I don't like him as a human being. I don't want to have to cheer for that guy. Uh, I do have one nit that I need to pick with the offense after watching the game again. And that's uh, that in week one, the Lions used Sam Laporta in their run scheme often and heavily to act as like a pulling or trapping blocker. And this week, they gave that role a lot of the time to Brock Wright. 
And on the surface, that makes sense because right is supposed to be kind of like the secondary blocking tight end. But it just didn't work for a couple of reasons. And I'll be putting some clips up on TikTok and Twitter. Can't use them on here. YouTube demonetizes. But basically, Wright was coming from a three-point stance more often than Laporta did, doing the same gig, and that slows the process down significantly, so he just wasn't able to get there. He's also not the athlete Laporta is, so when he got to the assigned block, the rep was already lost. Like He just couldn't get there quick enough to actually do the job because he started in a three-point stance, or even when he didn't, like at times he was slowing down as he came close to the block, and that's the opposite of what you want to do. It's like throwing a punch. You don't punch where the thing you're punching is. You punch three inches past that, and that's how you throw a punch that hurts. It's the same thing with a block. You don't go to that spot and stop unless it's a pass block. Then that is what you do. But like these were run plays where he's trapping or pulling, and he would get there and just try to wall it off as opposed to just laying into the guy, which is not as good. Um, let's switch over to the defense because unfortunately they did have to play defense. Uh, last week I told you the Seahawks defense had a bad week one. One of the ways you could tell was that they had three of their top tacklers were defensive backs. Well, the Lions on Sunday had their top four tacklers in the defensive backfield. Week one, they were keeping their linebackers clean, free to hunt for the ball. Week two, the Lions just we're not doing that same gig like if you watch the game at all you don't need to tell need me to tell you that the defense struggled a little bit and one of the reasons is because that they were losing the battle up front whereas last week i was applauding the pile of would-be blockers that Ali mcneil and benito jones were standing on top of triumphantly in victory uh this week there was a little bit of that until mcneil got hurt and then that went away completely, 100%. Uh, like, we have no idea what the injury is that he was dealing with at the point where I'm recording this. He came out for a few plays, and he figured out a way to stay in the game. If he hadn't, the Lions would have been running a NASCAR package for the entire game and probably lost by 20. Uh, they scratched Isaiah Bugs and Broderick Martin again this week. Hopefully staring down the barrel of... Uh, only having two defensive tackles for three quarters of a game, if McNeil hadn't been able to come back in, uh, should lead them to kind of pull their head out of wherever it's been, letting that position be thin on a weekly basis. Because right now they're in a spot where if one guy goes down, they're either playing the same two guys for the rest of the game or playing NASCAR for a disgusting number of of snaps. Uh if you're just going to drop your pass rushers into coverage, you probably don't need six of them on game day anyway. Of course, the injury to James Houston, we no longer have six of them, do we? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Not a great day on the injury front for the Detroit Lions. Uh, it's going to be really interesting when the snaps drop 
actually haven't yet at the time of this recording, to see how many pass rush snaps each of the Lions' defensive backs has, uh, because each of those was completely ineffective and was also taken away from a player whose job that is supposed to be. Uh, The Seahawks handled the Lions' blitz packages with relative ease. There were often two Lions' defensive backs ineffectually trying to jump into the passing lanes while five or more yards away from the quarterback on a given play. Uh, Rather than overload the line with blitzes, the Lions were bringing two guys from the backfield and dropping two linemen into coverage. That's called a zone blitz, and it was a super cool and deceptive defense in about 1996. That's where we're pulling our inspiration from in our defensive scheme right now. The 1996 Pittsburgh Steelers. No thanks. Like at this point, it's something everybody's seen. And the Lions didn't do anything particularly original with it. Like, why was the Lions' answer to the quick passing game to leave players wide open as the defender who could have been covering them was running towards the quarterback so the quarterback could just throw the ball around or over them. I'll never understand that. Like, why did they keep going to it when it absolutely 100% clearly was not working? They just kept doubling and tripling down and doing it more. Like, when the key to that strategy, which was clearly James Houston was the person who was supposed to be dropping back on all these coverage snaps, when he gets hurt, you need to stop doing it. Like, Like, I love Charles Harris, but the guy has a relative athletic score below five as an edge, and you have him in coverage. I'll never really understand that either. However, I'm using a corporate communications technique known as the shit sandwich here, wherein you have something negative to say, so you start with something positive, and then you say the negative thing, then you close with something positive. So that the person who's just been told that they're in danger of getting fired or that they're not getting a promotion or that their wages or hours are being cut or that their paid time off that was approved months ago is now suddenly being denied. Has a positive impression of the meeting in which they were told this terrible thing. The Seahawks got 14 of their 38 points directly off of turnovers. Like when the offense coughs up a fumble on your own 23 yard line, that score's not on the D. You can say they should have forced a field goal, but you're just being difficult right now. You could say they gave up 23 yards in two plays for a touchdown, and I'd have a harder time refuting that. But we're being positive right now. Uh, the defense can't stop a pick six. That one was also not on them. Like, the Lions' offense isn't going to turn the ball over 45 more times this season. And if they do, the Lions will have the number one draft pick. And we'll be hearing a whole new set of slogans from a whole new set of people in the front office and coaching staff. And we'll maybe be set to win some games by about 2027. The defense did some things well. Kenneth Walker averaged two and a half yards per carry on 17 attempts. Overall, the Seahawks ran for 3.28 yards per carry. And on the season, the Lions are only allowing 3.6. That's good for a top 10 spot in the league. There are teams giving up basically like five and a half, (laughs) two yards per carry almost, more than the Lions are. 
just don't go look at the deeper, more complicated rushing stats uh, because we are we're being positive here. They're not in the bottom 10 for most team stats against the pass. Um, the Lions are not one of the six teams who haven't managed an interception yet. That's all I got. I'm running out of positive track here. Tomorrow, we're going around the division. Asian. Subscribe for notifications. Like or dislike below. Comment positively or negatively. Algorithms matter too. Would you like to steal some money from billionaires? There's a link at the top of DetroitLionsPodcast.com that you could follow to go to several different places at which you can buy a variety of objects. Take money from Bezos or Jerry Jones just by clicking those links, or we've conveniently placed them below this video. See you tomorrow. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go, baby. Lions on three. One, two, three. You've had enough of that shit.